Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. And make sure we've got the right screen up here. Good gracious. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is the Sunday, October 24th edition of the show. And we have already got people in the chat ready to rock and roll. It's the College Football Week 8 Reaction Show, the recap show. We go through uh, some of the the biggest, most surprising, most interesting games of the weekend and, and figure out what it means for the landscape of college football this season. Hopefully, everybody is having a good Sunday morning. Uh, before we get rolling, Be Smooth James said, I don't think there's going to be a week that goes by this season that something absolutely bonkers won't happen. And I think he's 100% right. Chris, there is, between just everything that is going on right now in college football, I don't think we are going to see any consistency for the duration of the season, other than, and you and I were talking before we went live, uh, other than maybe Georgia. Georgia is the only consistent. I think everything else is just a a crapshoot every weekend. You kind of feel the same? Yes. That's what I just said. Yeah. It's insane. No, you didn't say it live. That's why I was trying to give you. Well, yeah, but you just told everybody what I said. <laughs> you you think that Georgia could dominate anybody uh, at this point of the season and probably for the duration, including Ohio State's offense, et cetera? Because I brought yeah. up uh, to to bring everybody into the fold here. I brought up that well, maybe Ohio State's offense could hang with them, and you think that Ohio State's offense is what smoke and mirrors. It's not that it's smoke and mirrors. They beat the hell. They put up big, big numbers against bad defenses or defenses that cannot compete with them from an athletic standpoint. But I think when they play, and we'll see next week when they play Penn State, I think if they play Iowa, I think maybe even if they play Michigan, I think those defenses will slow this offense down. Now, those offenses aren't close to as good as them, so it doesn't mean they won't win those games, but they won't be looking as dominant. And when they play a team like, if they ever play a team like Georgia, that can score and is better than all of those other defenses, I don't think they have a chance. You you might be right. Like, I, I thought I knew something about college football this season, and it is becoming – ever clear that I don't know that anybody really knows anything about college football this season. So it doesn't mean Georgia won't get got. It doesn't mean that Georgia won't. I just, I I can't foresee any team left on their schedule or any team in the country, not on their schedule 
that can hang with them from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint. I just can't. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. Uh, Tyrone Davis jumps in, said, what's up, guys? Uh, Ball Python Love said, damn, Fresno State. Yeah, that uh, that late cover by Nevada uh, helped me out on uh, on our, our pick'em contest that we do. Uh, you know. I, I just needed Fresno in the money line. There God go. almighty, I needed it. I needed it like I needed air to breathe. <laughs> I absolutely love it. All right, let's go through the uh, the rundown right quick before we jump into the games. WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. We appreciate everybody that goes over there and visits on a weekly basis for sure. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. It's got everything that you need to know about our podcast, our YouTube videos, our other shows that we do, uh, where you can follow us on social media, etc. Go ahead and check it out right over there, WinningCuresEverything.com, the show. Brought to you every time out by BetUS, where the game begins. It is America's premier sportsbook. Go ahead and check it out at BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021, and you can get 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and that is sportsbook exclusive. I tell you, every show, how great of a deal this is. If you haven't taken advantage of it yet, I don't know what you're doing Go sign up. I've been with them for years. I've used them since I was 21 years old. Go ahead and check them out. BetUS.com, where the game begins. Also, Chris hosts a college football show for Sportsbook Review. I host a college football show for BetUS. The links are in the description. Sign up, not sign up, subscribe at those links. They're both on YouTube, so go ahead and check those bad boys out. Chris, let's start off today's slate with the Big Ten burner from yesterday morning. Illinois gets the win 20 to 18 over Penn State. We went to nine overtimes. And everybody, I'll start us off with this. Everybody freaked out. Oh, it's the longest game in uh, college football history. And if you just look at overtimes, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think I texted our group at some point and said, these two offenses may never convert a two-point conversion. There, there's not enough space. They may never, they may never get in the end zone. But this is this is what you get from these two point conversion games, right? Just back and forth, everything is chaos. There is no rhyme or reason as to who will win. Uh, there were several people tweeting, "If this is what we're going to get, I'd almost rather have ties." I don't know about all that, but this was the the most brilliant game by Brett Bielema that that I can remember, and for it to come after everybody criticized him. Last week, for the statements that he made about his offensive line, obviously it worked. <laughs> we talked about this on the show on Friday, and I mean, what what do we have here? Three hundred and fifty-seven net yards rushing. I, this and they only hit, they only did thirty-eight yards passing. Eight out of twenty-one passing for thirty-eight yards. Ran it sixty-seven times for three hundred fifty-seven yards. Really, really. It was a better rushing performance because that includes 10 carries for negative 8 yards for Sitkowski. You take that out, and the two running backs, Chase Brown, 33 carries, 223 yards for 6.8 a clip and a touchdown. Joshua McRae, 24 carries, 142 yards, and he had 5.9 per clip. This was awesome to see. I I didn't expect it from Penn State, uh, but let me get your thoughts on, on Bielema and the Illini first. Well, first, I was happy for Bill. Me, you know that. You know, I love him, and I'm so glad that he's kind of turning things around there a little bit. I guess a win like this, a big deal. Um, when their starting quarterback went out, I did not think they were going to be able to to make any of these conversions. Um, 
backup came in, backup made a play. Uh, Penn State's backup couldn't do it. Uh, so, you know, it just is what it is. Without Sean, that offense for Penn State is maybe one of the worst in the country. They, they've got no explosivity. They've got no push on the front to run the football. He can't hit receivers when they're wide open. They're just not very good at all. And uh, thankfully, they've got a great defense. They can keep them in the ballgames, but it wasn't enough. The quote-unquote longest, we have to find a different word for longest because it was 100% not the longest, all right? It just wasn't. The two-point conversion went goes pretty fast. And and through timeline-wise, this game was much shorter than the Ole Miss-Arkansas uh, overtime game that, that happened a couple of years ago because you're just trying to make one play. Now, I have said this before, and I stated again, I know that there are a few teams that play guys on both sides of the ball. It's rare, but I don't give a damn. I want the referees to put their track shoes on. I want one offense and defense on one side of the field and the offensive defensive coaches for those teams on that side of the field. I want the other offense and defense on the far side of the field opposite of them. And I want one play and then the referee grabs the ball, runs to the other side. The, all the all the referees get in position. We run another play, and we do that twice and then go to a commercial. And then we do that two more times. We, we could get through four OTs in less than three minutes or four minutes. We could do basically a minute of play, and, and there's no reason we can't speed this thing up. There's no reason to run everybody off and then run the other team on and get all set up. No, 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 no. Offensive and defensive coaches for your your allotted players and teams divide up, separate out, and and you just wait and watch, and that's it. The uh, the total play count is the biggest part of this, right? This is why they swapped it to three overtimes. Is when you start doing two point conversions. Uh, I believe Penn State had sixty three offensive snaps, yeah. and Illinois had eighty eight. Yeah. If I'm Ole not Miss, mistaken. The Ole, Miss, Ole Miss runs that in regulation. Yes. Like, it, it, Ole Miss runs 90 plays plus. Now, I was just about to regular. say, they run more than that every game. Well, that, that Tennessee-Ole Miss game last week because of the, the pace there of were, play. Yeah, there were, there were 100-something plays ran yeah, in was, regulation. It was, yeah, it was like 195 in regulation, I think, something sure. like that. Uh, but, that yeah, no overtime, no nothing like that. It's just constant right over so, and over so this is this is far shorter but they cannot just be running everybody off and on and go to a little tv timeout in between no just stop it just stop it get every get one offense over here in defense and one offensive defense split the coaches up and everybody's on a headset everybody can be talking to one another that's fine we'll make this thing go a lot faster yes uh illinois post game win expectancy in this which is odd for an overtime game was a hundred percent they should have won this game based on the numbers 100% of the time. You don't get that that often. Uh, but yep. they dominated in the trenches. Absolutely. My question here, uh, did an injured Sean Clifford, who clearly didn't look right in this game, uh, yep. did that really give you the best chance to win if you're Penn State coming out of a bye week? I mean, that's, that's I, insane to me. I think without Sean, they've got nothing. So I, with him, if he can make a play, but he obviously wasn't any good. But I, I just don't. I don't think they have a good option. That's the problem is is there are no good options here. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Ryan McCracken jumped in and said, it's Chris's tennis show on after this. Uh, <laughs> people were listening last week. Uh, the Flying Hawaiian, gotta love making money on Clemson losing. He said that Buffalo 7 overtime game was long. Uh, and then Tyrone Davis said, I'm glad Notre Dame won. Uh, I don't even, you know what? I didn't even put Notre Dame on here. It's one of my... They won, games. they covered, they yeah. look good. They look good, and that was it. So I've, I've got Notre Dame as like a thing to mention at the very end of the show, but... 
Uh, not worth diving into that game because USC is laughable. Let's move to the next one, and we are going to Ames, Iowa, my friend. Iowa State gets the win, 24-21 to over Oklahoma State. Iowa State's postgame win expectancy, 58%. There were two missed field goals for Oklahoma State in this game. Uh, yep. Give you the, the brief rundown. Uh, Iowa State was a seven-point favorite. They only won by three. They won yardage, 374 to 332. They won third downs, 36% to 20%. And they won drive points, 24 to 7. Drive points are any drive that is over 60 yards, basically where you had to earn it, and they earned their points. Oklahoma State won yards per play, 5.9 to 5.7, and rushing, 107 to 67. No turnovers in this game. Between these two quarterbacks, which surprised the absolute hell out of me, I have no idea how you didn't get Brock Purdy or Spencer Sanders to either fumble or throw an interception. I don't get it. Uh, yeah. Each team had a, a fourth down failure. Oklahoma State missed field goal tries of 32 and 50. This was a tight ball game the whole way. Oklahoma State finds ways to keep games close even when they are, it certainly looks like they are not the better football team. And they were right in this until the very end of the game. And and this is what we can expect from from these two teams and, and the Big 12 overall. Like, the Big 12 is just kind of crazy this year, right? Should anybody ever be a seven-point favorite or, or dog to anyone in the Big 12 right now? Like, why this line was seven was beyond me. I felt like that was the freest money all weekend. That was my favorite play of the weekend outside of Pitt. I just didn't understand. And, and, and you know, I mean, I guess, I guess Iowa State could have covered it, but at no point in time were they covering it. Like from the time the game started, they just they just never were. This, um, I will tell you this: the metrics, like advanced metrics, it take out turnovers, take out all that kind of stuff, and and they would have actually been favored typically by like nine to ten points. They but here's the problem: you take out things that are really important, Gary. Agree. You can't but, take out the turnovers because turnovers are the number one factor to winning and losing a ball game. Yes. No, I I understand that. I'm I'm telling you why this line was as absurd but I, as but it I, was but but we all but hang on we all understand that that's wrong right yes. we yes. all fully understand that if you lose the turnover battle you're going to more than likely lose the game so you can't take that out of your algorithm just because you don't like the way it changes the algorithm i don't understand how the algorithms work which is why i don't like them but i don't uh, like it just doesn't make sense which i'm glad because i made money on it and it was good i wanted them to win because because the algorithm was so jacked up i got plus 220 you yeah. should not be getting two to one odds on anybody in the Big Twelve beating anyone else outside of Kansas. True, and, and even I mean we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit because <laughs> Kansas probably I mean they Kansas had a better than fifty percent chance to win. Uh, I did want to bring up on this game the so I'm I'm assuming that you watched the majority of this the penalty call for taunting where the kid was running into the end zone in the third yeah. quarter. Uh, now, luckily, they got that touchdown back, but good gracious, uh, that is, I, I don't even have words for how despicable and how ridiculous that call was from the officials. For those that did not see it, uh, Hutchinson, the wide receiver for Iowa State, catches a pass, and he's running into the end zone. It was a, it was a long play. like it, it, it was very easily a touchdown. There was no question. No, no, There was nobody around him. And once he got to about the four-yard line, three-yard line, maybe, he turned around to see if there was anybody behind him. And 
and he slowed down a little bit as he went into the end zone. He didn't hold the ball up. He didn't turn around and, like, stick the ball in somebody's face. He wasn't talking to anybody. He just slowed down. And and you might could say that he was high-stepping, maybe, but he was at, at a full sprint and and slowed down. And that's all it was. And the refs called him for taunting, and it was a 15-yard penalty. They took the touchdown off the board. It was a spot foul, so it went from the three back to the 18. And then Iowa State had to earn the touchdown again. I Somebody should be suspended for this. They won't be. But that seemed blatantly obvious that it was just somebody that, that was irritated at what was going on in the ballgame. That's the only explanation that I can come up with from a referee. Did you see anything on that play that looked like taunting at all? uh, No, Gary, but these officials have been out of control all year. Like, I don't... I I say this every week, Gary. At what point in time is it on us to stop being shocked that people who are bad at their jobs are continuously bad at their jobs? Uh, You are correct. It's just when we see stuff that is so... But we see it every week, Gary. We see it every week. True. True. Clear, clear violations. Sometimes they're they're major and they take touchdowns off the board. Sometimes they give a team on a big third down, a first down that they absolutely don't deserve when they should be punting, and then that team goes on and scores a touchdown on that drive. Like, those are major game changers in games that determine the outcome, that absolutely determine the winners. I don't think there's anything nefarious. I think these people are bad at their jobs. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, you are you are not wrong on that. Uh, in this game, Iowa State had ten more plays than Oklahoma State did, and uh, and Oklahoma State props to their defense. Jim Knowles knows what he's doing. Held them to sixty-seven rushing yards in this game. Yeah. Uh, that's impressive against Iowa State for sure, for sure. Uh, big games by Brock Purdy, twenty-seven out of thirty-three for three hundred seven yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that was awesome. And Spencer Sanders, three touchdowns, fifteen out of twenty-four, two hundred twenty-five yards. That was really, really awesome, too. Like, yeah, this is a well-played game. Well-played yeah, game. game by both teams. You have got that right. Um, let's see. Let's dive off of that one. And we are going to the Rose Bowl, my friend. Oregon, getting it done. But good gracious, did did Anthony Brown try and give that game away late? Uh, <laughs> just a fumble and, uh, and two interceptions late for that offense. Uh so Oregon's postgame win expectancy was 80%. And and if you look at what ended up happening here, they they were up uh what 34 to 17 late yeah, in this ballgame. And and gave up two touchdowns late. UCLA was driving late. Now, luckily, Oregon gets the interception. Uh I'd say luckily for Oregon, I guess, uh, to to try and save the game. But DTR went out with an injury. They brought in Garbers, the transfer in from Washington, and you know he he looked okay for a minute, and then man, that the DB just read his eyeballs, man. Read as soon easily. as DTR went out, I knew they had no chance of that drive. Yeah, that game was over with. That guy, that guy is the most important player on that team. Yes, absolutely. He's special. He's really good. He had a good game in this one, and you know he had a turnover. It happens, but it, it's just you know. He's a really good player, and when he's not there, that team can't win. Uh, Oregon, I think, may have felt a little bit disrespected here. Uh, they won yardage 417 to 352. They won yards per play 6.6 to 3.9. But here's what's insane. UCLA ran 91 plays, and Oregon only ran 63. 
the fact that Oregon outgained them by running 28 less plays was highly impressive. So it, it was nice to have Joe Moorhead back in the building doing his thing, right? It, it, this is two straight weeks, but this is the first one where he's really, really back in and knows what he's calling. Uh, they won third down percentages, um, 78% to 53%. I mean, Oregon was seven out of nine. It's just absurd. They, they were great. Turnovers were even, but this is where Oregon comes out and feels like they are, they are the better team, right? It, it feels like they have been sleepwalking for weeks and weeks. But I will tell you this, this team, if they make, if they continue to make mistakes, they can get got by anybody, but they are good enough to compete with anybody. And, and I don't know which team is going to show up week in and week out. Who knows? Uh, but this one, you know, does this keep them in? Is, is this a playoff team, Chris? Is Oregon no. a playoff team? No chance. No chance. No chance. I mean, they've still got Utah left on the schedule. Uh, maybe they'll have to play. They've got Oregon State, too. We'll talk about I that. I was about to say, you, you better hope your little brother don't get your ass. Uh, that's, they're getting everybody. They they certainly are. Certainly are. I mean, it's <laughs> – I look at this game. This was a this was a fun game to watch. Um, the – oh, Die, the running back, at one point had like four straight carries that were touchdowns, which I thought was insane. Never seen that before in my life. Uh, and apparently it's like it's been done before, but I never I never had any idea. Uh, Nate jumps in on the chat. This channel sports takes are always awesome. Great job, guys. Appreciate that. Always nice to hear that. Uh, Flying Hawaiian said UTSA is good. And uh, and the Flying Hawaiian also said Gundy covers as a dog. That's always good, too. Um, so, yeah, you guys, there's a lot of people watching. Go ahead and like the video for us, if you would, and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Our goal right now is 5,000 subscribers. Uh, we were hoping to hit that by the end of the season. And, and we are rapidly approaching that much, much quicker. So go ahead and subscribe for us, if you would, so kindly. Uh, anything you want to say about uh, about Oregon-UCLA? No. No? I, I, did, I didn't think this game was very exciting. I predicted that. I, you know. Yeah, okay. I mean, that tends to – game day being there added a little more, but I, I will tell you something interesting. Did you see that they were doing ticket giveaways, like through the ESPN game day account – that should tell you everything you need to know about the hype out in Los Angeles. <laughs> but that's what UCLA was doing even for the LSU game. Oh, yeah. Like, they were yeah. giving away free tickets to everybody. It's, it, it, it takes a lot to stir up interest in uh, any program out in L.A. right now. So, uh, moving not, on. Not, not, going, not going to Pitt. I've lost so much respect for game day. It's a show I used to love, and, and like many other ESPN products, it, it's focusing on the wrong things. Yes, yes, I, I tend to agree. Tend to agree. Uh, you bring up Pitt. Let's go ahead and jump into Pitt. 27, Clemson 17. Pitt's postgame win expectancy, 99%. Oh, yeah. no, uh, no doubt. There was this never a laugher. Uh, DJ got benched. Like, what in the world? Uh, who yep. would have ever assumed that? Um, and it's not like the other guy was any better. I mean, it's nope. you can't do anything with that offensive line. That offensive line is terrible. Uh, on top of that, like, so I had people asking me on Twitter yesterday, like in the DMs, asking at what point is this on the coaching staff and not just, oh, it's a bad season. Like, a I, lot. It's been on the coaching staff the whole time. Like, the whole I, time. Tony Elliott uh, was great so long people as People are still Scott throwing his name out for big-time coaching jobs. You do realize that, right? Oh, yeah. But I, like I, I, I have, told you. I have, heard, I have heard. Now, these are all national guys. There's no local guys that actually cover the sport. National guys have thrown his name out for the LSU job. And I think you are insane if you think that guy's going to get a big-time Power 5 job. 
That's that's not going to happen. He is not getting the LSU job. He's not no, getting no, not just the He's LSU not, job. He wouldn't get the Missouri job if it opened right now. No. He wouldn't get Minnesota if it opened right now. At, I told you when Jeff Scott left for South Florida that I thought that Jeff Scott was the brains behind the operation at Clemson and that I thought Tony Elliott might be able to hang on for a little bit, but I did not believe that Tony Elliott was the guy, and it is proving to be fruitful. It, it like it, it, This is not a, I told you so, this is, they have got to find somebody that understands how to run that offense because it ran the same from as soon as they hired Chad Morris all the way through everybody else. Like, and and you're not going to be able to do the same thing at Clemson that you've been doing for, for 10 years, like keeping Gary? the same staff, et cetera. CEOs don't matter in college football today. Architects of offenses are the most important, the single most important person on a college football team is the architect of the offense. That's it. It's not the quarterback because that person gets the quarterback. It, and that's persons who the quarterbacks go to play for. All right. It's it's not the head coach if the head coach is not the architect. I don't care. Give me all the numbers you want about Nick Saban. If he ever makes a bad hire as an OC and doesn't have great players, he will not win. All right. Sure. The CEO. So Dabo, you, you use brains. You, you, we will never use brains and Dabo in the same conversation. He is he he does not make that <laughs> offense any better. He does not make any play calls that actually helps this team win football games ever. And and he is a CEO. And when he has a great OC. They are outstanding, and when he doesn't, they don't, which is why I'm very sorry to say, but most of you CEO coaches need to be careful because OCs are going to take your jobs, and I think they should. This is a guy – you're talking to a guy that my entire life, all I've ever loved or cared about was defense because when I played football for the very short, limited amount of time, I played defense, I understand defense, and I like the defensive side of the ball. The game has changed far too much. Well, All the, the advances are on offense. That's, that's the biggest part. The rules have changed. Is right? that part of the game? That's. A, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's okay, a, that's what I'm saying. I just said that. Damn I it. know, I know, but I, that that's the biggest change. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'm agreeing with you, but the rules have completely changed so that defense doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter as much anymore. So not yeah, as would, much. That, you got to get a stop here or there, and that's fine. But. When your head football coach is not the play caller and the designer of the of the offense, it's just really hard because when you have a great one, he's going to get hired away by somebody to be their head coach. And then you got to hope you make a better hire. And then you got to hope you just keep making good hires. And that's what Clemson did here. And we're going to talk Pitt for just a minute because obviously they are the team that's playing well. Uh, yes. They, with Clemson, they thought that they could just continue to move guys up the chain, right? Yep. And and that was the deal with Tony Elliott. He'll be the next guy because he was the the co-offensive coordinator with Jeff Scott, but Scott was uh, was the play caller. He was the one that handled all the business, and, and Tony Elliott looks real good when he's got Trevor Lawrence and when he's got, you know, a, a decent enough offensive line. And this offensive line is whew, uh, rough. Josh comes in. He said, good morning, folks. Good morning, Josh, and to everybody else that's watching uh, let's see, Ball Python Love said, uh, could I have you either or both of you as a special guest on my channel sometimes? Hey, you know what? Absolutely. Just hit us up in the DMs. We will certainly uh, discuss that. So, Kenny Pickett in this game. Um, 25 out of 39, 302 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. And and Pitt was able to run the football. 
I mean, just ridiculous. So this was, uh, you know, they ran 82 plays to 62 plays. And if you look at, like, the the basic point of this, Pitt was over 50% on third downs. Clemson was 36%. Uh, Pitt was able to drive the ball more yards per play, et cetera. I mean, everything was Pitt's way. And it still kind of came down to uh, the interception on the shovel pass that got everybody the cover if you took Pitt. At the shovel pass, there are moments when DJ Uyangalele, it looks like he has no idea what he's doing. on it. Like, he gets so nervous. I feel like there is so much stress on him that he doesn't know what to do. And Kenny Pickett is just as cool as a cucumber, brother. Like, he, did you see his comments after the ball game? No. Like they they asked him, you know, how are you going to celebrate a win over Clemson? He said, I'm probably going to go back and have a cold one and get ready for Miami. <laughs> Here, here's the problem, Gary. You you talk about these things with, with DJ. Isn't that coaching, being prepared, being ready mentally for, for different scenarios? Yes. Yes, okay. 100%. But also, uh, it's, it's, I think it was more so coaching at the beginning of the season. Right now, I think he personally is in his own like he's in his own head so much that he can't do the simple things correctly right i don't know that he's been able to read a defense all season but also like he's not accurate with the football well, and, no. and the offensive line gives him zero time he's got happy feet all the time i i mean i have no no expectation for them for the rest of this season they got three oh, losses, and we're not even to Halloween yet. I mean, yep. it's a it's not I, a good football team. Look at that schedule because I just did that. That this ain't the last loss they're gonna have, which is crazy to think about because before the season we talked about how easy that schedule was. All right, and, I'm, I'm I'm about to run I'm about to run it down real quick. Okay. Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, South Carolina. How many of those games they win? Right now, make a call. I think they could possibly lose two of them so that's five games left uh i think they could win they could win four i think they could they more I think likely they could, win i also three. think they could lose i also think they could lose three of them i, th- I think they could lose three of them uh but I'll, I'll say they'll win one of those that's that looks like a toss-up at this point florida that's state's right. looking a lot better right now yeah, i was just about to say that florida state game against them that's a coin flip right now wake forest undefeated that's 100 percent a coin flip. Uh, wake forest gonna beat the shit out of them. it ain't gonna be close either <laughs> do you see the stat? that's the most impressive stat line of the weekend by the way it might be the most impressive stat oh, line of the year we're, we're gonna get there we're gonna get there uh <laughs> i love doing this show with you so much <laughs> like <laughs> they're gonna beat the shit out of them. it's not gonna be close. they are they, they are yeah, you they probably 100 right. are you're probably right uh michael fridge jumps in said good morning everyone he said what's up fellas nice to see michael in here I hadn't seen him in a while uh casey i had nevada money line uh should have taken the points would have hit a six-pack parlay uh pff, man that game was too much like you should have bet on that game anyway like <laughs> that game was a toss-up anyway uh Wait, moving man. on oklahoma all right, so we got to talk about this. Um, before I talk about any kind of stats or anything else, Oklahoma wins 35-23. to 23. Uh, Kansas' postgame win expectancy was 69% in this game, which was shocking nice. to me. Uh, definitely nice, but definitely shocking because you would not expect that from a 38-point underdog, regardless of whether it's at home or not. The play that I want to talk about, the fourth down handoff from Kennedy Brooks to Caleb Williams. First off, Caleb Williams said after the ball game, 
he didn't even know that that was legal. It's not legal. And I don't know that it is. So the ref explained it, by the way. The referee explained it after the game and said that it was legal because he was behind the line of scrimmage. To which my response is, he his forward progress had stopped. Yes, he was his, behind his the line. His forward progress of had stopped by five yards, and they kept not pushing not him back. by a little bit by five yards. If they would have stripped that ball and it would have been a fumble, the ref would have blown it dead and said, "No, no, no, forward progress. We're putting the ball back here." You yes. know that would have happened, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. As long as we know that, I I could not believe that 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 play was allowed to go on. Like, I just, I don't even know. Well, I, I, I could. I could. As soon as I saw the replay and everybody I was watching with was like, that's not less forward progress. I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They have, the, the Big 12 has one dog left in the hunt, and they are going to protect that dog with all that they have. Even if that dog is leaving in a year or Oh, they don't care because they still get the money this year. They make yeah. the playoffs. They still split the money 10 ways. Yep. You're right about that. So Oklahoma again, thirty-eight point uh, favorite. Only won thirty-five to twenty-three. They won yards per play, seven point four to six point three. They won rushing, two twenty to one sixty-six. Uh, but Kansas won overall yardage, four twelve to three ninety-eight. Kansas's third down percentage, they com- uh, they covered or completed whatever a sixty-nine percent third down. Uh, just ridiculous. They they won drive points, twenty-three to twenty-one. Turnovers were even. Oklahoma had a fourth down failure. There were a lot of different ways that Kansas could have possibly won this football game, but they were up against it from the get-go. Uh, Josh said, overrated as always. Um, at Flying Hawaiian said that OU play was absolute BS. Kansas was robbed. How often are we concerned about Kansas being robbed in a football game? Not often because typically they are not in games. That's but right. this Oklahoma team has flashes of brilliance and then flashes of, eh, they're probably not very good. And you got guys like R.J. Young on Twitter that are talking about, hey, you can say that they don't pass the eye test or whatever, but winning is the only thing that matters and whatnot. It, it, the only people that so, say that are the people whose teams are not very good but haven't had to play anybody yet. That's like, right. That's oh, it. Look at, the, look at the schedule. Look at who you beat. You don't have a single win that's good outside of the Texas win all year good? long. Like, I, I mean, Texas is good, but is that like – is that a That's a not a great win. win. That's a good – no, it does say foundation or does say good? No, 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 no. Well, you said you said good win. You're right. I'm just okay, I'm, I'm good, thinking good. Is I'm a cheeseburger from McDonald's good or is it shit? Because because a quarter pounder is not bad. It's not the worst thing I've ever eaten in my no. life. It's not great. That's what a win over Texas is. Congratulations. <laughs> you got uh, a quarter battle with cheese. Hey, Brown Yeti's in. Brown Yeti said Kansas got a third and one on a quarterback sneak that was stopped at the line, but they didn't blow it dead. So Kansas got one as well. It, Yeti. Oh, I don't hear this. Yeti. Yeti. Come on. Are we now. bringing this shit up in here. <laughs> <laughs> Michael said Oklahoma will be embarrassed if they get in the playoffs. Uh, Casey, Oklahoma's Vegas. not making the playoffs. Two weeks from now, they're playing Baylor, and Baylor is going to womp that ass. They're going into Baylor, and Baylor's going to beat them straight up. You heard it here first. I, You are a lot more confident than I am. Um, Absolutely. I'm, you cannot play with fire the way they've played with fire and continue to not get burned. At some point in time, one of these teams is going to get them, and that's the game they're going on the road on. And two weeks after that, they go to Pokes, okay? Yeah. And you got Bedlam. And we know shit happens at Bedlam. And you give me, I would say, Gundy and the Orange Cowboys over them all day long. I uh, I took the over uh, 11 on Oklahoma's total this year, on their win total. And, and I don't feel good about it at all when they got Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State all left. Nope. Those, I those, think they can lose all. Hey, 
Yep. Watch, watch Texas Tech next week not believe they can't win that game. And Texas Tech, man, that's, that's I know really I know Texas Tech is crazy right now, and they are the most unpredictable team in the Big volatile, 12. Volatile, for but, sure. But when they're on, they're on. <laughs> Nate jumped in. He said, a superb quarter pounder reference. Dang, sounds good right now. <laughs> Cheers to that. Uh, Michael said, it'll actually be funny to watch Oklahoma get smashed. I hope you're right, Chris. Uh, Josh said, Tulane close, Nebraska close, K-State close, Texas close, Kansas close, Baylor, I agree with Chris. And uh, Casey said, I agree, Baylor will beat them. Yeah, uh, I could I could see it. I could see it. Uh, let's move on, and we, we got to talk about somebody that, that we like, but it might it might just be time to pull the plug. Uh, he's on live support as it is. But Syracuse went to Virginia Tech 41 to 36 winners, and Syracuse's postgame win expectancy in this game was 82%. This was not a fluke. Uh, they did get a late touchdown. Virginia Tech was in the game, but they shouldn't have been. Uh, if you look at the stats overall, uh, Syracuse won yardage, 550 to 437. They won yards per play, 7 to 6.8. They won third downs. They won drive points. They won rushing. Virginia Tech gave up 314 yards rushing in this game. Uh, Virginia Tech had one fourth down failure. There were no turnovers in the game, which was uh, a little bit surprising. But this, I mean, they gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter to Syracuse to lose the ball game. I... I don't know what to do anymore if you are Virginia well, Tech. Now you you got to make a change. The problem is, is where are you going now? That's the question. Who do you go get? I, the answer ain't Tony Elliott, by the way. No, no. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that that think that this is a really, really good job, and it is because they, they I think, invest. I think it's a good job. They I think it's an yeah. absolutely good job. They invest heavily in their football program. They want to have a winning program. And, and I, don't, hang on. I don't think that – I don't think that the – uh, the threshold of expectations is crazy. You just can't have losing seasons week in, year in and year out. Like, damn. At like, once every three years, let's compete for the ACC, but let's go to a bowl every year. Like, that's not that's not outlandishly wild. Right now, they just want to be relevant. Yes. That's that's the biggest problem is that you're losing you're losing games at home to Syracuse. Dino yeah. Babers was on the hot seat to start the season, and it looked like there was no way that he was going to maintain his job. And instead, uh, you got Sean Tucker out here doing his thing, uh, 20 carries for 112 yards. Hey, Garrett Schrader, that's the best transfer uh, that that Dino could have possibly gotten for this offense, well, yeah. for what he yeah. wants to run. Uh, what that's he right. did at Mississippi State, like he was somewhat impressive as a, ro- like a rookie, a, uh, a freshman, freshman at Mississippi State under Joe Moorhead, but I don't know that Moorhead necessarily knew exactly what to do with him. Dino knows exactly what to do with him. You run him 22 times for 174 yards and three touchdowns. Like He, he can run, and he can throw the football a little bit. He's not great, but 16 out of 34 passing, 236 yards, two touchdowns. Like Garrett Schrader is, is awesome. Like, well, you always play the is. hiring game. Who do you think they go get? Man, I... I legitimately have zero idea who I they could I mean, possibly I, go I'm, get. The, I'm in the same boat. Like, I just think I, I thought Fuente don't. was perfect. Like, I thought it was, was a perfect too. fit. And hey, can he come back to Memphis? Can Can we do like a Petrino situation where we hey, just come home? Just come home. I Look, I'll, I'll go pack Satterfield shit, uh, uh, Silverfield shit today. All right. When he gets into the office Monday, all his shit will be boxed up. It'll be ready to go. Right? I, it'll be all right. I tell you this uh, i took the under eight on memphis's win total and and i'm that's already smart. in a push yeah uh, that's so. that's smart that's a, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a play yeah but they're bad they, they're not well so and 
So making this a little bit about Memphis uh, because I don't have them on the list. Uh, so they lost twenty four to seven to UCF without their starting quarterback. But also Memphis didn't have their starting quarterback. Memphis was down to like their third string quarterback. Their starter for the season went out before the season even started, and and he's still out. And of course now Seth Hennigan, who was playing really well as a freshman, he was out for this game. But that's no excuse. I mean, you got to like Gary. The loss at Temple is when this thing all starts. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You lose to that shit football team, you're done. You're yeah. done. I don't want your shit in my city ever again. So, Get out. So Virginia Get out. Tech, um, I mean, it, it maybe you you go. I mean, do you try and get somebody that's just serviceable? Like, would you would you try and just pay Mark Stoops more or like I, I don't? And and by service, that's a total. Uh, disrespect card to Mark Stoops. I was just I about to say Mark that. Stoops would be a hell of a hire for them. Hell I don't yeah. know that he. I don't know that you leave Kentucky for that right now, which is a sad state to say where uh, college football is going. But if I'm in the SEC, as hard as it is to win, the amount of money coming into the SEC, I think if you have a fan base that loves you, your job is stable, and um, you're here. I don't know that you leave. You have to leave for a job that you think you can win a national title at. Uh, if you're going to leave stable, the SEC. Sta- stable might be uh, way, way uh, undersaid there because he I- anytime he wins seven games, he gets a year tacked on to his contract. Well, yeah. Uh, anytime he wins ten, he gets two years tacked on. And, well, correct. And I think they're going to win ten this year. So That's right. Uh, Casey said, Mark Stoops staying at Kentucky, baby. <laughs> Mark, That's great, though. Look, I don't hate uh, that. I don't hate that at all. I love that guy. Uh, I love that guy, and I love him being in the SEC. Uh, Heartsick Disciple said Virginia Tech should definitely make a change. Uh, and he said oh, Syracuse, Syracuse can run the ball. Everyone knows that. So the surprise was Schrader making big throws. Um, but that's not much of a surprise. Like, we've seen him do that all season. So the fact that Virginia Tech was not prepared enough uh, for this, I mean, Syracuse had seven penalties for 45 yards in this game. Virginia Tech only had one penalty and still lost the game. One penalty, no turnovers, and lost the Virginia game Tech's to Syracuse. Bad. Because it's just bad. They got out physicaled, completely out physicaled in this game. Like I, I had this on the TV and was like, Syracuse is getting a push anytime they want. How is that possible? How do you allow that to happen? I just, I cannot, cannot understand how that even happens. And I got no idea. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit on Tuesday about who Virginia Tech can go get. Uh, but I just, I, I have no idea at this point. I got no clue. Um, moving on, let's move to the Pac-12 because this was a, a bit of a shocker to me, and maybe it shouldn't have been. Oregon State 42, Utah 34. Post-game win expectancy for the Beavers was 100%. Uh, nailed it, didn't you? Nailed it. I, uh, man, that was one of my money line plays, and I lost a couple of heartbreaker money line plays. I needed that one to finish the day out. Brother, it was sweet. So, so on this in this situation here, this was the complete opposite of the Arizona State game for Utah. Utah started out, scored on four of their first five drives. On the other one, they were stopped at the one-yard line and probably should have taken the points. But I understand going for it helps your your percentage to win, all that good stuff. But 100% win expectancy in a game that was decided by eight points is a little surprising. Um, Oregon State dominated this football game. You look at the stats yeah. here. Um, it, it wouldn't... You wouldn't see it as domination early, but if you look at rushing yards, Utah gave up 260 rushing yards to Oregon State and only had 188 themselves. Uh, yards per play, 7.8 for the Beavers to only 
Uh, Utah ran 17 more plays, 77 to 60 in this spot. And and the only turnover in the game was actually an Oregon State turnover that led directly to Utah points. So Utah wouldn't have even been in the ball game. Like, B.J. Baylor, 19 carries, 152 yards, one touchdown. And Chance Nolan, 14 out of 19 passing, 208 yards, two touchdowns. I, I mean, it's not like Cam Rising was bad. You know, he was 22 out of 36, 267, two touchdowns, no picks. I, I don't know what to make of Utah. My eight-and-a-half ticket is gone, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I had the over on eight-and-a-half on them. <laughs> That's right. Huh. Uh, oh, I'm going to tell you, Oregon State is one of the most exciting, unseen, like, un- no one saw this before the season started, I don't think. I, this team is so fun to watch. I I Jonathan love picking Smith. them. Yeah. I love betting on them. I They're not the best team in college football, but they are absolutely unbelievable to watch. They're fun to cheer for, and damn, they are having themselves a season. At Jonathan Smith has done such an incredible job with this football team, uh, and he'll be up for a bunch of jobs. But remember, this is his alma mater. He wanted to get them back to being you know, competent and, and competitive. No, no, they're far more than competent. Hey, yes. hey, uh, Casey said Oregon State has a hell of a program going. Basketball and football, uh, this is a guy that doesn't watch college baseball either. Uh, college baseball, really, really good at Oregon State. That AD should be getting paid. Yes, very much so. They they knew that they had a losing hand with Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson quits anyway. They go out and get the Washington offensive coordinator, former uh, former player at Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, and uh, they they figure out a way to turn it around. Like they invest enough in the program to be relevant, and and they are good, man. Uh, between them and Oregon, eleven and three on the season. That's pretty good. The state of Oregon, run, like or the state of Oregon, the Pac-12 runs through the state of Oregon right now. Yeah. Like, period. Yep. Civil War is going to be awesome. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So awesome. much fun. I hope it's another fog game like it was last year. That shit was so good. <laughs> um, well, if it is, it's going to favor the the the, uh, the, uh, the Beavers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oregon State can run on anybody. Anybody. Yep. Like, that B.J. Baylor kid is something else to watch, man. Something else. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, moving on to the Big Ten, and Wisconsin just destroyed, destroyed Purdue in this game. We hadn't, I, we hadn't seen this from Wisconsin all year. 
Uh, no, this was all right. So let me give you the uh, the breakdown here. Wisconsin was a three and a half point favorite. I thought that line was uh, maniacal. I thought it was yep. ridiculous. I, I took fell Purdue. on it. Um, I did and, too. And of course, final again, thirty to thirteen. They won yardage three forty two to two hundred six. They won yards per play five point eight to three point three. They won drive points again. For those that hadn't paid attention, drive points are when you have to drive over sixty yards to score. They won that twenty one to nothing. Uh, they won rushing. 290 to negative 13, Chris. Well, yeah, but Purdue doesn't run the football on anybody. Purdue's been throwing it on everybody. But that listen, everything about this game, this is the this is the Wisconsin team that we thought we were going to see in September. All right. Yes. It just look, they're eight weeks late to the party. Okay. Yes. They're eight weeks late. Yes. They're here. Um, so they also won turnovers, which we have not been able to say that about Wisconsin. Uh, but they won turnovers five to two. Wisconsin was still only one of 11 on third down, but they didn't have to worry about it. Purdue's only scores were um, a fumble return and a 39-yard drive. That's it. That's the only way they were able to score in this game. Aiden O'Connell couldn't do anything. Um, You look at, like, Graham Ertz, they didn't ask him to do nothing. Like, they realized that they had an advantage in the trenches, and and they just ran the ball. That's it. And they just Uh, took them. Graham Ertz, five out of eight passing, 52 yards, like no touchdowns, no picks. This looked like Wisconsin football for the first time all year long. Yes, yes. I mean, it's big win by them. They uh, this is 15 straight that they have won against Purdue, and sometimes, sometimes, it, it's not coaching, it's not whatever. It is just a thing that happens. It, Purdue against Iowa yep. was the same way, right? That's same right. exact thing. Uh, and in West Virginia TCU, same thing. Was we'll we'll talk about that momentarily, but got an interesting number for you on that one. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was 24 out of 32 for 200 yards, one touchdown, and three picks. Yikes. Uh, so this, you know, this is the best Wisconsin that we have seen all season. And and if they continue to play like this, they can beat Iowa. And they can beat Minnesota. And they can they can beat the teams that are remaining on their schedule if they play like this. I don't know that they will continue to do it week in and week out. But this was awesome. Uh, Josh said, although uh, Purdue is known for beating a ranked team than getting blown out the next week. Uh, this is true. This is true. Uh, Flying Hawaiian said he stayed away from this one. And Josh said uh, he lost this one. So <laughs> I can understand that. Um Let's see. Uh, Casey said, I had Wisconsin money line. I knew that was a setup game. <laughs> Cheers to you, Casey, for sure. Uh, and then Casey brought up Sam Hartman. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Wake Forest wins, and boy, do we have some crazy numbers on this one. Wake Forest 70, Army 56. And Wake's postgame win expectancy 62% in this game. Uh, brother, in, in, in this spot, Wake's time of possession... 17 minutes, 17 seconds. And scored 70 points. And it, it was not... Um, so, so let me... Stat of the weekend. Stat of the week. Jeff Fogel on Twitter, uh, which you should find. He's, he covers games and whatnot for, uh, for VSIN, so the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Um, they won in a flag football game played on ice, is what he said. <laughs> That's exactly what this was. They won yardage, 638 to 595. They won yards per play, 12.2 to 7.2. Uh, third downs, they converted 88% of their third downs to only 60% for Army, which 60% is a damn good day. They won turnovers 2 to nothing. They won drive points. Listen to these drive points. This was not fluky. This was not, you know, they got short fields, anything like that. They scored 56 points on drives that went over 60 yards. Like, only three touchdowns all game came relatively cheap. Army ran 83 plays to only 52. 
And again, they won time of possession 43-17, to 17, but they could not stop Wake Forest. The claw fence is legit. Hey, this is somebody. If I'm Virginia Tech, maybe I'd go after Dave Clawson. I don't know that they could get him. I don't but know if they can get him. I don't, but that's somebody you gotta you got to shoot for. Every, every job opening should be calling Dave Clawson, at least to sit down and see, are you interested? And and what are you thinking? And, and because maybe this Clawson, guy can des- yeah, maybe this guy can design an offense, man. Uh, he can design an offense, and it's not just the offense. It is like he he understands what his team is good at, and he puts them in good situations. Right? That's true. Yeah, that's like, true. No, but but I'm telling you, man, this guy, these guys, everybody in the world had Army picked as an upset. Every person I listened to on the planet said either stay away or play Army because this is – and I just said, no, Wake Forest, go kill them. That's Wait, a, Army hadn't seen an offense like this all year, and, man, this was a close. Yeah, no, it, I, I had Wake on the BetUS show, and and I had – you know, the guys were like, eh, you know, you never know with this. And I said, I said no, 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 no. Uh, this is, like, ridiculous. No chance. I, I trust Wake to be able to score on this defense over and over and over again. And they did it. Uh, Christian right. Anderson, like, started the game, the the Army quarterback. Um, it, it wasn't because the quarterback was out. Like, Christian didn't play all that much. This is, like, the third game that he's – he missed two straight yep. games and then missed the majority of this one. Um, but it's not like Army couldn't move the football. It's not like Army so, lost because of their offense. So, Wake Wake has got some, some challenges ahead, okay? They had Duke. They go to North Carolina. Yep. They, they got NC State. I know it got beat, but still. They got at Clemson and at BC. Can they run this thing? No. I don't think so either. I no. think one of those three, one of those, I think three of three of those are going to be close, and one of them is going to get them. It's, it's a lot of toss-ups. Uh, I could – my, I want my to guess, see them run it. I want to see them versus Pitt because I think they're clearly the two best teams in the ACC. My, I want to see them versus Pitt. I would, I would love to see that. I would like. Uh, Bill Conley actually tweeted out last night. He was like, uh, "The dream is still alive for eleven and one Pitt against twelve and zero Wake Forest." And yes, yeah, it, that would be yes. a lot of fun to me. Uh, because we it, who who did Wake Forest play in the ACC title game back in like oh six when Jim Grobe was the coach? I can't oh, remember. Jesus. They I have won, no idea. They won it like nine to six. Um, yeah. But no, was, we won't get that in, against Pitt. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, so yeah, this is. Hey, by the way, I I went five two and one against the number on the uh, on BetUS this week. So not uh not too shabby. Sam Hartman in this game, twenty three out of twenty nine, four hundred fifty eight yards, five touchdowns. Uh, was awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they're they're up on schedule. Uh, pretty difficult. Pretty difficult. So that moves Army to uh, four and three. Moves Wake Forest to seven and zero, oh, and. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Now let's go to a completely different ball game here, a, a different type of ball game, and that would be San Diego State twenty, Air Force fourteen. This is nine straight wins in the series for San Diego State, and um, they they shut Air Force down, brother. I mean, just shut them down. I, I was I this was another one of my bets. I had San Diego State plus three or three and a half, and felt good about it because. You had the number one rushing defense going up against the number one rushing offense, and while Air Force's efficiency as far as passing the ball looked great, they don't do it all that often, and they only did it in situations where they knew they had an advantage, right? And in this spot, there was no situation where they would have an advantage throwing the football, and it led to an interception that that turned into points. Um, Yeah, I so I had this one on. I didn't watch all of it because I will tell you, 
sometimes these games, when there's all this scoring going on in some of these other games, uh, it, they can be a little boring when it's just, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. And that's exactly what this game was. Uh, this had the second most impressive stat of the weekend. Uh, which one are we talking about? 81-yard punt. Oh, oh, okay, okay. An 81-yard uh, punt from your end zone. Did Did you expect anything else from these two kind of teams, though? Really? <laughs> no, but, but when you're punting from your end zone, you usually don't get a chance to boom it because you're afraid of the safety. You've got to catch it. you got to get it out quick because you can't get blocked because that's touchdown or a safe. Like, like, there are too many things that go wrong, so you never see great punts from, from an end zone. True. You see great punts from the 20-yard line or whatever. The fact that he punted the thing from the end zone all the way to, like, the 11-yard line, that's insane. That's ins- that's insane. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. 81-yard uh, Air- punt. Pretty Air Force uh, ran 11 more plays. Uh, they went three out of four on fourth down, uh, but only four out of 16 on third down. They, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, it, they had Do you seven think there was penalties, like – so I have a question. Do you think Nevada and Air Force both have head coaches that are getting calls about jobs right now, right? We know that those conversations are being had. Their names are getting thrown around. Do you think that had anything to do with that, or do you think they just played teams that got them on a good day? I think they played teams that they got on, on good days. Okay. Right. I, I think Air Force is a good team, uh, but yeah. stylistically, they don't match up well with San Diego State. San Diego State can stop the run, man, and when you don't get – like Air Force relies on getting that running game going. And they ran 48 times for 192 yards yesterday, only had one touchdown. Their longest run was 16 yards. Um, it was not, you know, they only averaged four yards of rush, which is still okay. But yeah. when you expect a lot more and you don't get it and you can't get uh, comfortable, I mean, they were down 20 to nothing before they really got rolling. And sure. I. This was this was a game that was set up for San Diego State. I mean, it just it, it, don't do anything to beat yourself, really. Uh, they had ten penalties. San Diego State did for sixty-one yards. Well, when you're San Diego State and you get up twenty to nothing on one of these teams, it's best, with, because your defense and because the style of football you play, it's really hard for those teams to come back and score on you because yeah. you just don't give up big plays. You don't give up chunk plays. So yeah, this was a money line play for me as well. I hit that. It was so good. I, I had, had a pretty decent day yesterday. Oh yeah, no, I'd same here, same here. So it was, it was interesting. It was a, it was a fun game. So we'll, uh, we'll move off of that one. Let's, let's talk about somebody that this, this one we may not want to talk about, but I, I think it is uh, important for us to discuss. West Virginia twenty nine, TCU seventeen. Post game win expectancy here, uh, West Virginia sixty one percent. Yeah, they dominated the football game. And they, they really did. Uh, it, the. The fact that this was only 61% post-game win expectancy kind of surprised me. Yeah, but too. Neil Brown now is 3-0 and uh, against Gary Patterson. That is certainly not good. Patterson uh, has a top-10 salary and has not cracked eight wins or has not, has not even made it to eight wins since the 2017 season. Uh, he went 11-3 and that year, uh, won seven the year after that, and et cetera. You, you know what's happened since. This is um, – Jared Dagey is not a good quarterback, and instead of, you know, handling him like they should, he went 21 out of 28 for 257 yards. They let Letty Brown run 24 times for 111 yards and three touchdowns. West Virginia had not run for 100 yards in a game in three straight games. 
Like, I'm talking the entire team, not just Letty Brown. Like, their offense had been completely shut down by everybody that they played, and then they get to go on the road to TCU and can't do anything. Like, I, Max Duggan had two interceptions. Um, this was... I, I just I don't know what to make of TCU anymore. They're three and four. Uh, I, I know. I take that back. I know what to make of them. They're just not a very good football team. And I. At, at what point do we start to question? Okay, like is it is it that point where? Uh, <laughs> Seth said, uh, "Love what you guys are doing. Love the show from San Antonio. They have to pay Jeff Trailer or someone will." Uh, a lot of people bringing up Jeff Trailer for this TCU job because they kind of assume that. GP is on his way out. And yeah. I don't know that he is because I don't like maybe. <laughs> I mean I don't I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what to do because Patterson is a legend. He's been there for two decades and he's he brought the highest of the highest. He's the one that got him into the Big Twelve. And yet they are not a good football team. They are not well run. The defense, what he is known for, is not good. So what do we do here? I mean, what what would you do with Gary Patterson? Uh, I, I might have a long talk about him stepping down. He, they built a statue to this man. It is it, that's a okay, Gary. That's a, that, okay. And, All right, that's fine. I, and just, you don't forget what you've done. But when you've been somewhere for twenty years, sometimes it's just time for a change. Okay, maybe it's time to just hang it up. Maybe the game has passed him by, which is crazy to think about. Because it's it was, not crazy to think about. It happens to everybody. It was it was not that long ago that we were talking about Gary Patterson for the LSU job. Like, yeah, I, but that would have been that would have been a bad hire. Now, yeah, it's uh it's crazy to think about. Crazy to think about. I just I, I never would have imagined that we would have gotten to this point with Gary Patterson. Um, and yet here all, we are. All good things end badly, Gary. At some point in time, your beloved tide, it's going to end badly. Oh, yes. All right. We'll look oh, yes. at Clemson. It's it's starting to fall apart. And if they have another season like this, Dabo going to get to Coach O treatment and it's going to end badly. That's just what none of these things. Everybody sticks around too long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're 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 right. You're 100 percent right. West Virginia had 487 total yards to only 393 for TCU. Uh, and I love Gary. You know that. Yeah. TCU uh, lost the turnover battle three to nothing. Three to nothing. And that will definitely uh, not get you where you're wanting to go. But uh, Benil Brown, 3-0 and against Gary Patterson. Uh, he he doesn't consistently beat anybody else in the Big 12, but he certainly handles TCU anytime he's given the opportunity. So that is, that is crazy to think about. Uh, let's talk about Cincinnati right quick. We don't get many opportunities to uh, really discuss them other than when they're playing big-time teams. And they won over Navy... 27 to 20. Brother, the post-game win expectancy for Cincinnati was 10% based on the stats yeah. in the game. Um, I I mean, there's something to surviving your clunkers and whatnot. My question, if you're Cincinnati, is can you afford to have clunkers when you are shooting for the playoffs? Um, I I think so, maybe. I mean, we know that Navy is, is a tough place to play, but Navy, you know, didn't have their their starting quarterback. Uh, well, I take that back. He he did play, but he didn't play well. Um, this was this was a strange game overall. Uh, here's here's the overall storyline. Um, Navy uh, was a twenty nine point underdog here, and they won the yardage three hundred eight to two seventy one. They won drive points fourteen to three. 
Uh, they won rushing 192 to 95. Cincinnati's touchdowns came on 44, 54, and 45 yard drives, so they got short fields. Uh, Navy ran 84 plays to only 51. Uh, Cincinnati did win third downs 55% to 33%, and they won yards per play 5.3 to 3.7. But there was nothing in this game that really stood out for Cincinnati. This was a, a, a weird game. A weird game because I had this on one of my TVs and and since he could never put them away it was it was really strange what did so they they lost time of possession by the way 39 to 20 right at thir- or 39 and a half to 20 and a half but I is this just a chalk up to it's already been a long season and Navy is a tough team to prep for uh, what what do we make out of this ball game I mean, I don't make anything out of it. They they played badly or mediocrely against a team that was prepared and, you know, doing something a little different, and they got away with the win. That's important. You got to keep doing that. And they, they were up 27 to 10 at one point. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it took uh, it took an onside they kick did, to get it. They didn't. Know. Yeah, they didn't play a clean game, and that's fine. Yeah, every now and then you're going to run into this. Like, if there's not a bunch of motivation, I mean, my God, they were more than four touchdown favorites in the game. Uh, every now and then you're going to have this. So, uh, yes. Casey said, since he carried Navy, everyone bet since he Vegas wanted to create doubt in the public because since he's winning it all this year, <laughs> uh, man, I, I know, uh, there's several people that have taken out since he like plus 2,500, uh, national title odds. And I, I mean, I, I would love to see it. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and it'd be a talking point for generations, but I don't know that we are going to see that, uh, Miami gets a win 31 to 30 over NC state. And uh, this was strange. Miami's postgame win expectancy in a one-point win was 96%. Um, so you you look at the numbers. You look at the stats. Total yards, uh, 421 to 420. Uh, I, there's, there's nothing that I can take from this other than, like, there were no turnovers. And Miami, for the most part in this game, kind of just looked like the better team which we have not seen. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. Yep. They didn't kill themselves. I I was shocked at this, and I'm, I'm a little happy for Manny Diaz because he has been up against it, and they have gone with their youth movement, and, and they have found a way. Tyler Van Dyke, by the way, 25 out of 33 passing, 325 yards, four touchdowns. Um, for whatever reason, like this is what NC State is known for. They go on the road even against not good teams, and they cannot get it done for whatever reason. Um, you you got any thoughts on this one? This was kind of a, a later later ball game. Well, no, I mean it was. I, I enjoyed this game and I watched a lot of it. And it, I just, I don't know. I just think the Wolfpack are a really good football team. That that you know, if they don't bring their best game, somebody else is going to, and you're going to get beat. That's what happened. NC State. I lost this one. I had NC State big, and 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 it didn't work. Yeah. No, we uh, we both had a minus three and a half on uh, on the Pick'em Show. Uh. You know, Miami did. They got a little lucky with uh, with some fumble luck because they they fumbled the ball three times and never turned it over. They recovered every one of them. Um, but overall, like it, Miami, like didn't overly impress defensively. Uh, but their offense, man, that Tyler Van Dyke kid is legit. Like I don't even if Derek King comes back for another season, I don't know that you move away from this kid. Like he is, he's awesome. He's awesome. Charleston Rambo, by the way, nine receptions, 127 yards, two touchdowns. He was he was a dude last night, uh, but there was nothing over on uh, uh, NC State side that led you to believe that they should have won this uh, won this ball game. So I guess it makes sense that they lost it. 
Uh, Ole Miss and LSU, I only bring this up because uh, I, I wanted to talk about Lane Kiffin's audition for the LSU head coaching job. Um, Ole Miss's postgame win expectancy, 99% in this one. And I, I will tell you where the game shifted is when, let's see, when uh, when LSU drove it down the field, 14 plays, 72 yards, got down to the one-yard line, and didn't score. Yep. And once that happened, immediately Ole Miss comes back down the other way and score, 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 over and over and over again. Uh, right. There was, like, this – this is more damning of Florida than anything else because we we kind of thought before the Florida game that this is what would happen with the Ole Miss LSU game, yep. but you know then you see Florida and you start to think okay maybe you know maybe LSU has found something out running the football and whatnot. At Ole Miss does not have a good defense, and they held LSU to seventy seven yards rushing. Um. Tyrion Davis-Price, 17 carries for 53 yards, one touchdown, average 3.1 a clip. Uh, Snoop Connor on the other side, 14 carries, 117 yards. Uh, Ely had 12 carries, 97 yards. Um, they didn't run Matt Corral a ton, 12 carries, 24 yards, one touchdown. But Matt Corral is so much fun, so much fun to watch. Uh, what did you What did you take out of this game? I know it's your Tigers. Um, yeah. I... Like, this was just kind of par for the course, I felt like. Uh, yeah, I mean, L- Ole Miss is a really good football team, and LSU's not right now, and that's, you know, that's just the truth. So, yeah. I thought Lane did a good job at, at advertising himself as the LSU next head coach. Um, the reports from guys that I believe that are in the know is that Lane actively is advocating for the job, um, you know, trying to set himself up. He wants the job. He, he actively has made it clear through his agency that that's a job that if it's offered to him, he's going to take it. And uh, and I know that Woodward wants him. I don't know that that's going to end up mattering. Um, some of his past transgressions and what LSU's going through, they kind of might want to go a different route. And uh, and there are some other big fish that, that might be interested. And if they can get a Mike Tomlin, uh, then you say yes. And, uh, and, you know, you have to give an honest, hard look at Mel Tucker. And I think it's a three-horse race. I think it's one of those three. Any other name being thrown out there is just not happening. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I hear a lot of the same stuff that you are. And uh, this it, it was very strange because you, you kind of know that Lane is openly uh, pushing for that LSU job, and yep. yet you still had Manning in the end zone. Like they were, I know that they were celebrating Eli Manning, who was an old right. Uh, but this was also very much a recruiting pitch to well, Arch yes. Manning. Arch was so. there, and that's fine. <laughs> if you're Lane, you're having these conversations with Arch, and you know that you're hoping that he comes with you, um, and doesn't, you know, necessarily buy into all the old Miss stuff. So if you leave, you hope that he follows. Um, and if you're Ole Miss, you're Ole Miss boosters, and you're all the Ole Miss people that put on the thing. Lane didn't put that show on. That was the Ole Miss Athletic Department. You're hoping that Arch sees that and wants to come there, no matter who their coach is. Ole Miss's football schedule for the rest of this season, uh, they have gotten through LSU. Now they play at Auburn Halloween weekend. They play Liberty the week after that. They play Texas A&M yeah. after that. Uh, they've got Vanderbilt on the 20th and then at Mississippi State on Thanksgiving. And I cannot wait for some of these ball games. 
the Auburn game, the A&M game. I mean, the Liberty game is going to be fun anyway, uh, but I don't know that Liberty has enough to be able to, to compete with these guys. Yeah, I don't either. We've seen Liberty be disappointing this year. They, I, I do think that'll be Hugh's best game, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. I will say that. This this schedule sets up for a lot of very interesting ball games down this stretch for uh, for the Rebels. Uh, as far as LSU goes, like I thought maybe they might come out fired up for for Coach O, um, but I think maybe the Florida game was the one where they like everybody already knew, so they came sure. out fired up for that one, and and they they had some things, uh, but this one, you know, well, at some point in time, it's not about fired up; it's about what can you physically do. And that offensive scheme, guys were open that are going to be open. There's no there's no defense for it. Okay, yeah. and and uh, going up against a guy like Corral, there's no stopping that guy. He's just better than everybody on the other side of the field. He's, he's the best player on the field the whole day, and he's really hard to stop. So a team that's got some issues and problems anyway and isn't well coached right now, like that, that's just going to happen. There's nothing you can do to stop that. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, Brown Yeti, Seth, Casey, and, uh, and Ball Python Love, I'm going to answer these questions here in just a minute. Chris and I will talk about them, but let's get through this last game that I've got written down here. BYU 21, Washington State 19. Uh, this was a hell of a ball game. Hell of a ball yeah, game. And a lot this, closer than I thought. This was a team in Washington State that was fired up because of everything that had happened to them. I, I believe there was extra motivation for them to to try and get this win. BYU, I think, was just the overall better team. Uh, looking at the overall stats here, uh, and, and this will tell you know the storyline of the game, and that is BYU, who was a four-point favorite at kick, only won 21-19. They won yardage 385-350. to 350. Uh, They ran the ball ridiculously well on Washington State 238 to 93 uh, was the rushing yard difference there uh, they won turnovers one to nothing all the points came on drives of 60 plus yards every but there were no gimmies in this game and that was awesome uh, Washington State won yards per play 5.8 to 5.6 they won third downs 64 percent to 62 percent BYU had a fourth down failure uh, they missed a 45 yard field goal each team had three touchdowns and Wazoo was 0 out of two on two point tries um this was very encouraging if you are a Washington State fan going forward this season. I I don't think that there is anything uh, that crazy that, that that would keep them from winning you know eight ball games this year. Like they, there's a way that they could certainly not win eight. There's a way that they could not win six. But I I tend to believe that this this program the foundation has been built for them to be pretty good. Not just I think it started with Leach, but I think that the program itself has been built up in such a way that whoever comes in is going to be able to have success fairly quickly. I mean, it was kind of the same with Nick Rolovich, right? It, normally, it takes a long time at Washington State to shift to whatever your philosophy is. And in this situation, I kind of lean that Washington State has built up their, their football prowess quite a bit. And even in a loss to BYU, I think it was certainly commendable the way that they played. Uh, How did you feel about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I agree with that. It, it is commendable. I don't know that it's sustainable. Yeah, I, yeah I, so part of me thought that, and then part of me was leaning the way that I, that I just talked. And, and I think... I mean, you have obviously it all is based on making the right hire. I think Rolovich was the right hire, regardless of all this other political crap that is going on. Uh, Rolo's a good football coach, and if you continue to hire good football coaches, 
Like, you've already got a foundation built there that they're going to be pretty good. Uh, looking at Washington State's uh, schedule coming up, they uh, they are sitting at 4-4 four and four on the season right now, but they've got at Arizona State and at Oregon in the next two. They've got at Washington, and they got Arizona. Um, I could see them winning any of those games, like any of them. I could also see them losing any of them except for Arizona, right? So, I, I mean, you get me... It, it maybe maybe when I said eight wins, that might be a little little much because uh, I thought this team was at four and two. I just overlooked it. Um, I can still see them getting to seven. They could beat one of Arizona State or Oregon even on the road. They could certainly beat Arizona or Washington. Like I, I think I it's a pretty good football team. So I, I don't. It, it maybe maybe it was just a one game sample size that they were you know right in the ball game with BYU. But uh, either way, we shall see. We shall see. Um, Let's jump into uh, some of these comments here. Uh, Seth Garcia wanted to know: Can you uh, can UTSA run the table? Uh, yes. 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 This is a damn good. I think they'll team. be. I think they'll be favored in all the rest of their games. I, I think so as well. I mean, this is a really, really good football team. Um, weird things happen in Ruston, Louisiana, on Saturday nights, and and that did not stop them at all. Uh, Seth jumped in, said Oklahoma does not go undefeated. Yeah, we we both agree with that. Um, Let's see. Casey said, I don't see anybody beating UTSA. Ball Python Love said, is Carson Strong worth being drafted? Will his injury from high school uh, going to, or is it going to affect his chances to really get to play at the next level? I don't think that that's going to affect anything. I think Carson Strong is a hell of a quarterback. Uh, There's a lot of potential there. He's got the size, all that. I think Carson Strong will be drafted very highly. I don't think he's going to be the first quarterback off the board, like, like some people are guessing, but... Carson Strong's good, man. Like, Nevada's a good football team, and it's because of him. Like, I agree with that. Um, Casey said Carson Strong, definitely a good quarterback. He threw that game yesterday. He was working for Vegas. <laughs> Casey, you make my life enjoyable, my friend. Uh, Frank uh, jumped in. Frank Akosella, Ohio State's going to beat Penn State next week. Um, I don't know how much of a hot take that is, but uh, but I probably tend to agree with you. Uh, Ball Python Love said, I'm a Nevada Wolfpack fan. I live in Reno. That's my team. Uh, Casey said, Romeo Dobbs is the best wide receiver in an NTA football, and it ain't close. David Bell's number two. I don't know about all that, uh, but I do think he's good. I mean, it, for sure. I mean, there's a, it, it's somebody for Carson Strong to throw to. So uh, BYU let Washington State hang around. They could have covered it easy. Um, that Brown Yeti said, hang on. Leach's philosophy is do whatever you are doing a lot until you're great at it, and then do it some more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a foundational thing. Like, it, do the things that you're good at. Like, I think any good coach should do that. So, uh, who knows? Damien finally jumped in, said, what's up? Uh, who would you want to see UTSA play in a bowl game? Um, I would like to see him in a New Year's Six game. I don't think it's going to happen. But I would yep. like to see him play against somebody that's, uh, that's you know, a bigger program. So, it, how much fun would it be to see them play against one of these big teams in Texas? Like, put UTSA up against the Longhorns. Let's see what happens there. Let's say Oklahoma, yeah, or let's say Oklahoma has two losses when the season's over with. Put them up against them. I want to see them play one of these Big 12 teams that's normally really good and really high yeah, in the I, rankings. I would, I would love that. I would love that. Seth said, is the Clemson dynasty over? I think it's a little early to say that uh, because you bring in a good offensive coordinator and that thing is back to rolling. It's not like the defense is bad. The defense is actually, you know, maybe top five in the country. They are really good on defense. They had two transcendent quarterbacks back-to-back that spanned a seven years of football, and that 
is why the last seven years they've been unbelievable. Yes. Uh, Deshaun they Watson. Need, and- they, need, they need another transcendent quarterback or, yes, it's over. Uh, Casey said Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral are number one, number two in the NFL draft. Uh, Carson Strong might be number three. Uh, yeah, I could see that happening that way. I could certainly see that happening that way. Uh, some of the totals are totals. Some of the games that I wanted to bring up that uh, I didn't figure we needed to have full segments on. Uh, Notre Dame beat USC 31-16. to 16. Uh, USC's clock management was laughable, and they made mistake after mistake after mistake. Their, their coach, by the way, said at the end of or at, in the post game press conference that he didn't feel like they lost the game they just ran out of time there was no amount of time that you could put on that clock that Notre Dame would not have won the ball game like, that, that was ridiculous to say I mean just unreal um it, it, Notre Dame by the way uh, that's the best the offenses look all season uh, you kind of feel the same way uh yeah I thought Notre Dame looked really good I told you they had a week off to get better at football and they got better at football yes Yes, they did. Uh, Alabama 52, Tennessee 24, and this was uh, rife with mistakes uh, all over the place. Uh, Alabama held Tennessee to only 61 yards rushing, and they give up two, or they normally average 250. Um, so that was good, but I, this Alabama team is not a, a great football team. They're, they're just not. Like anybody that expects them to be able to compete with Georgia, I, I don't see it. I have no idea. Like, it, it, not, not a good football team. Uh, Northern Illinois. You want, you, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. oh, go ahead. You want, you want, you want to talk about the false start that wasn't a false start? For Tennessee? Yep. Uh, we could talk about that. We could talk about the uh, the Bryce Young fumble into the end zone that nobody clearly recovered that they gave Alabama the touchdown on anyway. Um, yep. yep. We're going to talk about the targeting that they didn't call either. Uh, yeah, I mean, that... Okay. Yeah. I had, but I had I'm just saying, hang on. on. But all of those bad calls, Alabama gets calls all the time. You have 11 men lined up to snap a football. Alabama's fans are going crazy. Everybody is set for Tennessee. The ball is still. Every player is still. Alabama's defense points, and they throw a flag, and they say false start. And the re- I've watched that replay 20 times. Yeah, I never nobody, saw him. Nobody moved. I never, I never saw him move. So. Nobody moved. Like, n- not calling the targeting, we're used to that. Not giving the other team the fumble, whatever. We're used to that. We, we're accustomed to Bama getting calls. Making shit up out of the air, this is why people throw golf balls. This yeah. is why people are – I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying it's okay, but this is why people throw shit on the field. Okay, yes. because the officiating is bad, and it's always bad to the teams that need to be protected. Yes. Okay, these these teams, these all of these conferences have the haves and the have nots. And if you are a have that year, you get protection. And if you are not, then you don't. The the fact that Alabama covered this line, uh, what was it at kick? 24 and a half, 25, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, it, and it opened at 27 and a half. The fact that Alabama covered was the most absurd thing that I have ever seen. They scored 28 fourth quarter points and and found a way to to cover. Um, and they never should have. They were down 14-7 to at the end of the first quarter, gave up 150 yards in that first quarter, and Nick Saban was the maddest that I have ever seen him ever. And I have watched, what, 14, 15 years of this guy at Alabama? Um, I've never seen him so irritated. They had a fourth and 28, and had all the momentum in the world, and ran into, the, like, roughed the kicker. Like, tried to go after the punt when you would have had a short field anyway, Ran into the kicker, got a 15-yard personal foul, gave Tennessee the ball back, and Tennessee immediately hits, you know, a long touchdown pass that gives them the 14-7 to lead. 
just that's the maddest of it. And, and on top of that, just there was no sense of urgency from Alabama the entire ball game. The entire ball game. And then Tennessee finally ran out of gas at the end of the game. But this was a 31 to 24 game with 12 minutes left. It's just got to be so disheartening for the other team to just know that no matter how well I play, you're just not going to let me win. You're yeah. just not going to let me have anything no matter what we do. Yeah, I can. I'm with you. Like I'm that's with a you. that's a frustrating thing. That's an angering thing, and I totally understand the vitriol. I just do. I'm 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 not saying it's right, but but I was I was 19 once before, and if I felt like I was getting screwed and I had no hope, yeah, lock me up, throw throw me in the drunk tank for a couple of nights. I don't yeah. care. I don't care anymore because I feel like this thing that I love is being ripped from me. And this thing that I hate is getting everything they need. They're good enough already to beat them with all of the best players and all of the best coaches is hard enough as it is. But when they get everything also, and most of the shit is totally made up, I don't know what you're supposed to do. So as a fan, when you feel hopeless, you just don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Casey said live betting was why Bama was so close until the end. Uh, people stopped falling for the traps. Live betting wasn't created to help you. It was created to trick you. Uh, I would I would say that, except that uh, uh, on Thursday night, I had the Louisiana-Arkansas uh, State game, and that total was 70 before kick. And after the scoreless first quarter, it dropped down to 45, and I immediately hit the over, and uh, and it, it covered by, by the end of the third quarter. So... <laughs> Uh, let's see. As a Tennessee fan, this year feels like 2006, said the Flying Hawaiian. Uh, Seth Garcia said, Texas, Oklahoma want to play with big boys, but, they, uh, but they'll but they be shocked when they join the SEC. These are grown men. Uh, Casey was talking about the, the penalties and whatnot. He said Nevada had like 10 penalties on every drive yesterday. Fresno had none. Shake my head. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it happens in every game. This is not just an SEC thing, although the SEC stuff is so highlighted, but it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's well, ridiculous. it's highlighted when you're in a game when one team is seen as so dominant, yeah. but they get everything that 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 goes their way. That Florida game, if any of those calls go 50-50 for Florida, Florida wins that game and Bama's a two-loss team. But then that deteriorates the value of the SEC. And so we don't want that. True. We can't have True. that. If Tennessee pulls up an upset when they're a 24-point dog at Tuscaloosa, that would destroy the value of the SEC. And we can't have that. True, true. Um, moving over to the MAC conference or the conference, you say uh, uh, Central Michigan lost to Northern Illinois, thirty-nine to thirty-eight. Northern Illinois is now a six-win team, brother. Six and two. The Dude. MAC is the MAC is drunk as hell, and you can't figure anything out. The, did you see the field goal snap at the end of the game? So a, a potential game-winning field goal try for Central Michigan, and the ball went through the holder's hands. Like I, not even not a not a couldn't grab it and it just like bounced in front of him or anything like that or he couldn't handle it it went through his hands like I've never seen that before where it it went through and just skirted on past like it it was the most absurd thing I've ever seen and Northern Illinois continues to capitalize off other teams mistakes Uh, I spoke very ill of Thomas Hammond who is the coach for Northern Illinois because there there was no sign of this Whatsoever, and they went into the transfer market, and they got Rocky Lombardi, and they got some other guys, and they look good, man. Like they can run the football. Uh, I don't. It makes no sense to me. It makes they, like you said, the Mac is drunk as hell. Uh, Minnesota thirty-four, Maryland sixteen. Minnesota, don't look now. Minnesota's five and two, even with the loss to Bowling Green. 
Like, what is going on, PJ Fleck? Like, I'm now, they, it's they, this is a fun football team. This is a good football team. The and and without their two best running backs, both of them out yes. for the year. Like, yep. Good Go gracious. Uh, Maryland 0-3 in October now after going 4-0, so that's par for the course for the Terps. Uh, I don't I don't know what to make of Maryland. I don't know what to make of Minnesota. Minnesota's schedule is backloaded, so they're, yep. they're going to have some trouble uh, coming forward. But this is, this is going to be a bowl team. Uh, Utah State got a win on Friday night uh, against Colorado State, and this is another one of those clock management, all that kind of stuff with Steve Adazio. Like, what are we doing here? And Utah State now. Uh, well, well over their win total. What Blake Anderson is doing there is incredible. 26-24 was the win there. I uh, brought up Louisiana 28-27 to over Arkansas State. Louisiana looks great against App State, and then they go on the road against a hapless team with no defense and just barely win. And it happens time and time again. Same thing. They went to South Alabama and only won by two points. Like, Louisiana, I, I, I stress consistency every week, and nobody is consistent other than Georgia. Georgia. We know what to expect from Georgia. Uh, Rice beat UAB on on Children's Cancer Night in Birmingham. Like, UAB never loses that game. And no. they lost 30-24. to 24. It, UAB is not the team that, that I want them to be at all. No. No, they are not. Um, Rice is not a good football team. And I mean, to lose straight up. Yes. That was a monster number. What was that number? What did that number close at? 23 and a half. It was a monster number, yes. and they got beat straight up. Uh, UCF 24, Memphis 7. We brought this game up a little bit earlier when talking about Virginia Tech. If I were Memphis, I would take Fuente back in a heartbeat. Call um, him now. Call him right now. Don't, don't, listen, don't let them break up with you. You break up with them, Fuente. Yes, yes. If you're Memphis, call your boy back. He knows how yep. to win here. He knows That's how to right. win. Uh, New Mexico 14, Wyoming 3 is the last one that I wanted to mention because Wyoming was a... a 20-point favorite in this game and got dominated. Uh, you keep telling me all year Wyoming's a really good football team. And I just never seen it. I, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's there's nothing that I can say about Wyoming that would make, would make me feel any better about this situation. There's no <laughs> reasonable explanation for the way that Wyoming is playing. Craig Bowl has always been a good coach when he has an experienced team. He has always done well. I picked them to win the Mountain West. And that is not that was going to happen. <laughs> that was a mistake. That's that is, okay. That is absolutely not going to happen. Um, I think I picked San Jose to do real well again yeah, this year. Did. So that did uh, yeah I'm about to say yeah, that but that, there's either. an excuse there at least uh, because Nick Jeff but Nick Starkle, like, hadn't been playing. Like, without your starting quarterback, your sixth-year quarterback, I mean, it... San, listen, San Diego State's the best team in that conference. All right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think if Starkle was playing and they play San Diego State, I think the defense puts him in a corner. I can't wait. Uh, I think they're really good. Hold on, hold on. There's uh, We got Fresno this week. That's San what Diego State, Fresno, Fresno, that's a game, baby. Uh, but it's not just that. San Diego State's scheduled for, the like, the rest of the season. They got Fresno State in San Diego next week. Then they go to Hawaii the week after that, and then they come back home to play against Nevada, and then and so they go and play uh, UNLV uh, the week after that. But then they they host Boise at the end of the season, like so they got Boise, they got Nevada, they got Fresno State, along with a trip to Honolulu in there, like that's gonna be awesome. Uh, Frank said, "What games are you looking forward to next week?" A lot, a uh, lot. Yes. The Michigan Michigan State game, big Ohio State Penn State, awesome. We got the cocktail party. We we got a big slate this Ole weekend. I think Texas, 
Obis Auburn, I think Texas Baylor is going to be amazing. We're going to have a wild weekend this weekend. Notre yeah. Dame got UNC, UNC playing better. UNC yeah, playing better for now. I mean, it, who knows what well, yeah. make out of this? And team. then, hell, Fresno <laughs> State, San Diego State, baby, that's going to be an awesome football game. Yes, yes. Uh, week nine. I mean, we have got uh, we've got all kind of stuff coming up. You got Troy and Coastal on uh, on Wind or sorry Thursday night. Thursday, that's Thursday. Uh, you got uh, let's see, Cincy Tulane. I don't expect much out of that. No. Iowa, hey, Iowa, Wisconsin is this week. Yeah, I, I think Iowa gets back to normal, and I think Wisconsin falls back to the Wisconsin they are. We, we, I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Yeah, I was about to say, we, we think that, but uh, you never know with these teams. Uh, Miami Iowa's defense is Iowa's defense is not going to let Wisconsin run the football like that. They're going to have to put the ball in Graham Merck's hands, and that's when Iowa's going to take over the game. That's the problem. At some point yeah. in time to beat Iowa, Graham's going to have to do something special. Do you think he's going to do something special, or do you think he's going to cock it up? I think I, I expect him to cock it up. Okay, that's yeah. that's the problem. Now I don't know what the number is going to be yet, so that's irrelevant to the conversation of can they cover or not. But I expect Iowa to win that football game, even on the road. Uh, Seth said, "Is the AAC the best Group of Five conference?" Um, uh, Mountain West probably isn't. I love the AAC. If, if you, I love it. If you just go with like top heavy, I mean, Cincinnati, oh, well, and SMU, Cincinnati like yes, Cincinnati is the best team. It's not close, and Cincinnati is uh, SMU is real good as well. But after those two, man, there's a massive gap. Yes. I mean, a, a gigantic gap. I think from top to bottom consistently, Mountain West pretty tough. Uh, Miami going to Pittsburgh this week could be interesting uh, if they continue to play I, the way that they do. I, I, last night, last night, something special was happening in Miami. That ain't the new Miami. Pittsburgh's going to be the hell out of them. I don't think this game's going to be fun. Iowa State, West Virginia, uh, Washington State, Arizona State, a uh, lot of lot of very interesting stuff. Texas Tech going to Oklahoma, uh, Purdue plays at Nebraska this week. Like there's there's some games that could end up being pretty entertaining. Florida State plays at Clemson this week. Like yeah. don't don't uh, don't short sell that one. Boston College at Syracuse. That's two pretty good teams. Um, I mean, you never know. Like UL Monroe is going to App State. Like who knows what to expect from Louisiana Monroe at this point? They won four games this year. I don't know what to make of that team at all. Um, SMU in Houston, like that's now that be... game. I'm gonna tell you this: Hogo, Hogo's been pretty good. Yes, yes, he has. So yeah, there's there's gonna be a lot of fun ones. Virginia plays at BYU, by the way, uh, late night on ESPN two next week. So I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's gonna be a good week. So is there uh, is there anything else that you are wanting to jump on? No. I don't think so either. All right, let's go ahead and uh, and tell everybody. WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. Like the video for us if you have not already. There's still a lot of you watching, so do us that favor before you head out of here. Uh, and make sure, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice five-star review. That certainly helps us out. Uh, Brown Yeti said, Casey, do you have me blocked on YouTube? I hadn't been able to see your comment the past couple of streams. <laughs> is Casey blocking people from our, from our chat? Come on, Casey. <laughs> Um, all right, on top of that, uh, let's see. Uh, Bet US College Football Show. There's a link in the description. I do that on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Chris does the SBR College Football Show. and that's uh, on- Right now, SBR has lost their – something happened with them in YouTube. They are not allowed on YouTube, so it's only being streamed on the Twitter. Only on Twitter. Okay, so it's on Periscope. Right now. I guess, or no, yeah. no, it's not Periscope. I guess it's No, it's Twitter on Twitter. Now. It's on Twitter. Interesting. Okay, so it's on Twitter. Uh, there you go. So what's the, what's the Twitter account? At S- SBR Sports or uh, oh SBR Picks right? And I think that's, oh SBR I think that's Picks. Yeah. It's right, not not so Sports Picks. At, at right. SBR Picks. Interesting. 
All right, so yeah, go and check that out. Uh, <laughs> Damien said, but I'll damn. tell them when they share it out to make sure they tag me in it because they didn't Saturday morning. There you go. Damien said, damn, y'all are vicious. Uh, yeah, we, we can be. And Flying Hawaiian said, thanks, guys, for the great show. Well, there you go. There you go. The okay. show brought to you every week by, or every time out by BetUS, where the game begins, America's premier top sports book. Go check it out, BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You get a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and it is sports book exclusive again. Fantastic deal. Click the link in the description. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you. You don't even have to remember what I just told you. So go ahead and click that link and do us that favor. Again, subscribe, like, share the show out, tell your friends about it, jump in the comments. We always like to have a little uh, discussion afterwards. And you can always hit us up on Twitter as well. You see it on the screen. Uh, it's also a link in the uh, in the podcast description and the YouTube description. So check it out. You guys are awesome. Uh, Chris, this has been a lot of fun. This is my favorite hour and a half of every week. So, with that said, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all of you tickets cash for NFL Sunday. Wrong Thanks one. for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at ChrisBGiannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.